Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. All right, the gospel comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. And it says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. Seventy-seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord offered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused, and he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The gospel ends there. I forget the words. <laughs> gospel of the Lord. The gospel of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks I guess it's be been to a God. long time. <laughs> All right. We continue. So uh, <clears throat> if you had saw on, I'd posted on Facebook for church this week, or maybe it was my own. I was like maybe a preview of what I'm going to be talking about. And I like this quote from Michelangelo's sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It is already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. And um, we were fortunate enough, I've been fortunate enough to go to Florence twice in my life so far. I hope they all to go back. And uh, as you're walking down to see the statue of David, which is, you know, his most uh, famous work of art, honestly, my, my favorite ones, were ones that you could see the image of there uh, that are supposed to, supposed to have been incomplete that he had started and never finished. But this gives me an idea that the statue is already within the block. He's just revealing it. And 
I'll be using that analogy or that thought uh, here in the sermon coming up as we talk about uh, what forgiveness is or isn't, or how do we live as forgiven people, or how do we forgive? Hey, everybody. Welcome to this part of the service, the sermon. Uh, we have a really kind of difficult passage. And I think what can make it so difficult is what we expect to get out of it. Uh, we hear this first part of the passage, how many times do I need to forgive? And essentially, Jesus is saying it's unlimited, right? Peter asks, is seven times enough? Like, is there a limit to it? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times. And uh, as, as if Jesus is saying, forgiveness knows no bounds. And so hearing that, we then read the second part, wondering how do we forgive that much? And so we look at this passage, trying to answer the question, how do I forgive? Something we have to do, which we should work toward. I'm not saying that's not important, but I don't know if through this reading that we have this morning, this is the primary passage, or the primary question that we're trying to answer is, how do I forgive? I look at the second part of the parable, right? Uh, or the parable in the second part of the passage. We get a master, we get a slave, and the slave owns the master essentially an obscene amount of money, an unrealistic amount of money. It's not even fathomable that he could work up this kind of debt. We just hear 10,000 talents. We don't really know what that means, but one talent is essentially equivalent to 15 years of a laborer's wage. So what is 10,000? All of a sudden you're looking at 150,000 years of a laborer's wage is what this one person owes the master. I don't even know how you could accumulate that kind of debt, let alone pay it off. So the point is, it's just an obscene amount, unrealistic. But the master's owed this, and the slave can't pay it. So essentially what the master says, I'm going to sell you off, I'm going to sell your wife off, I'm going to sell your children off, I'm going to sell off all your possessions, and then I guess we'll be square. And the man is, no, don't do that. Please give me a chance. I will pay it back. I will pay it back. I will pay it back, right? And the master has mercy on him and says, uh, you're forgiven. Go on your way. What's interesting, there's no way the man really could pay this back, right? I mean, it is a, a debt or an amount that you couldn't even accumulate. So how could you even expect to pay it back? I mean, it's just not possible. So he says he will. The master's got to know that he can't, but he has mercy on him anyways and sends him on his way. So now we have this man that goes out, and as he goes along, he has another person who owes him money. And now it's a much less amount. I think we get that it's a denarii. It is essentially a hundred days worth of labor. So a much more manageable amount, a realistic amount, something that somebody might be actually be able to pay off. And the man who received the mercy now is unwilling to accept, to extend it to somebody else. And even though that person begs for it, the man says, nope, you owe it to me. Word gets back to the master and the master, I, I extended this to you. No, you can't extend it to somebody else. And fine, you're done. And so um, you're essentially banished to 
eternal torment because this debt was so great, you'd never be able to earn it, never be able to pay it off. Uh, it would take way too long, so I'm just going to do away with you in this respect. Now, it bothers us because we now wonder, we just heard forgiveness knows no bounds from Jesus 77 times you have to forgive. And now in this parable, it seems like there is a limit. It's not 77 times, but the man was forgiven once, he messed up, and now he's not being forgiven again. So we wonder, is this what God is like? And I don't think the parable is so much about this is what God is like, but it has more to do with how do we receive forgiveness? How do we live as forgiven? So when supposed to trying to answer the question of how do I forgive, how about we look at it as how do I live forgiven? Those are two different ways. How do I forgive? It's almost like I have to be the instigator of it. I have to do something that I don't know how. How do I live forgiven? I'm already participating in it. And now I am working toward extending it. It doesn't begin with me. It continues through me. And I think that's maybe part of the issue with this man in that parable, the second part of this passage. He doesn't understand what it looks like to forgive. Or he doesn't understand what it looks like to live forgiven. Let me get that right. How does it look like to live forgiven? In my opinion, it seems like as he receives mercy from the owner, he only wants it to avoid the eternal punishment or the, the, the heartache that's going to come. You never hear him really repent or understand what he did wrong or apologize for it. It's like, just don't do that to me. If, if you're going to do that, fine, fine. I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back. There's not an acknowledgement of, oh my gosh, I really have disrupted this order of community that we have going on because I was reading one of the scholars that say that's a big thing. The whole point of the Mediterranean economy at that time was to get wealth to travel from the bottom to the top. And wherever you were stationed along the way, you, your goal might have been to take a portion of it for yourself while passing the rest of it on. But the goal was to get that wealth up to the top to whoever that owner master is. And you had these people that maybe manage it along the way. And so this guy comes along and he's right near the top of it. And he's just been accumulating, 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 trying to, you know, skim off the top. He never says, I wronged you, or I'm wronging all of these other people because they could probably do more with it than what he's able to do. Rather, he's just worried about the punishment that he has. All he has seen is how it has affected him as opposed to how his actions have affected the whole community. Very individualistic, it seems like that's coming through. And I think oftentimes we look at it like that also. We want forgiveness maybe simply so we feel better or we avoid some kind of punishment that we're afraid is going to come to God as opposed to understanding the way our actions affect this whole community that we live in, the whole world that we live in. And so it's not just forgiveness or mercy is about saving us, but it's about restoring creation to the way it was originally intended to be and the way God is going to 
recreate it at some point in the future. We get to participate in that now. We get to live as forgiven people that are part of that process. And so I think maybe can we look at if this man doesn't understand what it looks like to live forgiven, where are examples that we can see what it looks like to live forgiven and not to just perpetuate uh, these cycles of harm and destruction and chaos. And I think back to, I think most people are aware of it, the horrific shooting in the Amish community in Pennsylvania in 2006, where a man walked in, had uh, the boys and, and whatever men were in this one room schoolhouse leave, and then unbelievably uh, shot the 10 girls that were left, killing five of them, injuring five of them. And uh, the tremendous part of that story is the relationship that has been formed between the Amish community and the mother of the man who shot them. And again, I think oftentimes we look at how are we like the Amish and how do we forgive? And I'm not saying that's not a worthwhile topic, but maybe we need to begin with how do we live forgiven? And I was reading up more about the mom and how the Amish community's forgiveness toward her affected her and the rest of her life. That after it occurred, obviously, you just wonder, oh my gosh, how do we ever show our face again? How do we ever live in this community again? How do we ever, and uh, as the father had continually said, we, have, we need to leave, we need to move, we need to, right? We can't remain here. In the Amish community, the day after the shooting occurred, they showed up at her doorstep, at their doorstep, and at the man's wife's doorstep and embraced them. Saw them as hurting and grieving people and offered them forgiveness. And over the years, there's been a really special relationship that seems to have developed between this woman, the mom, and this community. And as she died a few years ago, but for the 10 years prior, one of the girls who her son had shot and um, didn't die, but suffered uh, debilitating uh, injuries and would never um, always relied on full-time care, the mom would go over once a week and bathe her, <laughs> feed her, read to her, nurture her. Because she was extended forgiveness, she was able to live as a forgiven person. And she talked about how she was able to forgive her son. Now the Amish community will also say, if that man survived, they forgive him, but it doesn't mean that forgiveness just means you go on your way. If you have caused harm, there are consequences to, to do, and they say he should have been locked up to, be, to, to further protection uh, for the rest of society so that doesn't happen again. And when forgiveness is extended, how does it keep us, remain us in community, and how does it allow us to remain in community? And then to extend that forgiveness to somebody else, 
So, so often I think we're not tasked with, yes, we have to answer the question, how do I forgive? But I don't think that is where we begin. Where we begin is, how do I live forgiven? Understanding this larger role that we are playing within the world and what has been done for us and what is look, that look like in the rest of our lives. But how do we understand what has been done for us? There's uh, at the beginning of this, and I'll put it on here too, but at the beginning of the sermon, we came up to that slide. I had a picture of um, a statue by Michelangelo. And then the quote that said, the sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It is already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. Look, I could never sculpt like Michelangelo. But if the view is, when you look at that rock, it's already there. And all you are doing is revealing it. Trying to get away of what is preventing you from seeing it. What if we look at forgiveness in that way? God's forgiveness is always there, but we do things in which it prevents us from actually seeing it the heartache, the bitter, the anger, the denial that we don't deal with, that we harbor onto? What if we deal with some of these things to reveal the forgiveness that is already there instead of feeling like we have to create this forgiveness out of nothing? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying I fully know how it's going to work or play out in each of our individual lives and how it plays out in our collective life. But I think that's a much healthier, more realistic, holistic way of looking at forgiveness. It's not how do I forgive, although that's important. How do I live forgiven? We start with what has been done for us. We start with the good and the beauty and the love of God as opposed to starting with the pain that we have felt from somebody else. Right? We start in a different place and then does that help us deal with whatever heartache or does it even help us deal with acknowledging the heartache we have caused as well? Because if we want to live as forgiven people, we not only have to understand how we forgive, but we also need to understand how we need forgiveness, right? That's part of the whole issue with this man. Did he really understand what he needed forgiveness for? Or was it only, you're going to be punished. How do I write, you know, I, I, you're going to be punished. He's not concerned with how he need to right the wrong. He's just concerned with avoiding the punishment. And I think that is such a misuse or such a gross misunderstanding of what Christianity thinks forgiveness should be about. We're forgiven so we get to avoid hell and go to heaven when we die. That's, I don't think that's it. We're forgiven so we live as forgiven people. And the world that we create is a forgiven people. It's not that to avoid hell when we die, but maybe it's to avoid hell here on earth now because when we can't live as forgiven anger is too much we see a lot of anger in the world today don't we we see a lot of violence we see right all of these things 
but it begins with God's love for us, God's forgiveness for us. And we're tasked with, how do I live forgiven? May you live as a forgiven person today and every day that is to come. Amen.